my name is my name is my name is Ricardo and you will see on the screen that they call me Yankee that's how I'm called in Trinidad been that way for a long time you know what I mean it was nice to get the invite to share my strengths and hopes this afternoon and those strengths and hope has come over a long time I actually started drinking alcohol at around the age of 14 years old. And based on my experience in Alcoholics Anonymous, a lot of us in these rooms have started at a young age. I also dabbled in other things, other illicit drugs and so on, but that's not what I'm here for this afternoon. But my alcoholism, my active alcoholism carried me down a road that if I knew where I was going, I would not have started. And that's why when I came into Alcoholics Anonymous, and upfront I'll tell you that's 34 years, nine months and 26 days ago. When I came into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the things that attracted me very early is don't take that first drink. The first drink, that very first drink is what the problem starts. And we got to understand that. Sometimes we feel that, you know, one drink wouldn't do us anything. I have heard people tell me after all my years in sobriety, one drink could do you anything. And my reply has always been, if one drink won't do me anything, then why take it? <laughs> I want to take something that will do me something, whether good or bad as the case may be. And that is where I have learned to avoid going back into active alcoholism. I always carry that definition between active alcoholism and non-active alcoholism as I am now. I am enjoying my life in sobriety now <clears throat> because of you guys. Most of you all, I would have only recent, recently met, some in other forums, some here today. But we all share the same bond. And that's a very simple one. We all dabbled in alcohol. We started drinking at whatever age. We started drinking for whatever reason. You know, I've heard many stories in these rooms, but I can tell you mine. When I started to drink alcohol at the age of 14, we, we have a, in Trinidad, where I am from, Trinidad and Tobago in the West Indies, we have a, a, a saying that the old people, the grandmothers and so on used to say, we'll give him one for the worms. You know, a little alcohol to kill the little worms in the tummy. Unfortunately, my worms turned into a snake and I got to pour more and more down that throat to see if I could kill the snake. But the snake wasn't dying at all, you know? And life kept going at a certain rate. You know, I started that drinking and even during school time and so on, I started drinking. It was, it was nice. I cannot sit here and say that my, the start of my drinking career was bad. It wasn't. It was good. It started off nice. But then I learned in Alcoholics Anonymous and when I reflected, on how my life was going, I understood what they meant. 
Yes, it was good. The thing that I learned in Alcoholics Anonymous is not how much we drink, is what happens when we drink. And I, I did a lot of things, a lot of naughty things when I drank. I recall one time I was playing pool in a pool hall when I was much older. And the guys in the pool hall was giving me trouble. And they didn't want me to play. And I turned over the pool table. To lift up a pool table and turn it over is not an easy thing. <laughs> but the rage that I had at that time and the influence of the alcohol, alcohol does <laughs> make us feel strong and, and, and powerful. I turned over the pool table. You know what I mean? And I left. Drinking carried me down certain roads that I really, I didn't know I would have gone. I didn't think I would have gone there. I had experiences of blackout, which I'm sure most of us, if not all of us, would have had. Of driving my vehicle, and in those days I used to drive a Land Rover Jeep, long base Land Rover Jeep. And the Roads in Trinidad and Tobago, where I am, we don't have big, wide, wide roads. The widest road is probably a three-lane highway. And I remember getting drunk, going to a party, a staff party with my wife, her staff party. But I got drunk. And I cannot remember leaving the location where the party was to go to where I was living. And I was probably living about 40 miles away where that party was. And I can't recall how I reached home and I was driving. I recall one of the things that happened during the course of that is that my wife got me annoyed and I threw her purse out the window. Where I did it, I don't know. To this day is only recently she reminded me <clears throat> that she went back to pick up the purse. I always thought I went back with her to pick it up. But she went back. And these types of incidents keep happening during my life. I probably had about five or six blackouts in my active alcoholism days. You know, <laughs> I even worked in the electricity industry in Trinidad and Tobago. I say this to say that I was shocked at 12,000 volts of current, and I should have died. I didn't. Probably the God of my understanding as I know him now decided I, I needed to live probably to bring this message. But I remember spending, uh, I'm, I'm going about the place because I have certain places I want to go. But I remember spending three months in hospital and I had seven operations because I was burnt badly. And I lived. But I recall when I was in the hospital and I had serious pain. I used to get a pain killing injection called Petadin. I don't know if that reflects on any name that you all might know of. <clears throat> and it didn't work. It wasn't working at all, at all. I still continue to have pain. And I remember one of the nurses coming to me and saying, you just drink alcohol and smoke, you just do drugs. I said, oh, you could say that, oh, just so you don't know me. She said, I know what's happening to you. I said, what do you mean by that? She said, why do you think doctors just tell you don't drink and take antibiotics? 
or painkillers and these kinds of things. It's not because you will die. It's because they don't work. They just don't work, right? Because the alcohol and illegal drugs don't mix. And I understood. You think that stopped me? You think that was the end of that? I still went on into active alcoholism and drug abuse for another two to three years. You see, alcohol is cunning, baffling, and powerful. You understand? And we don't understand that. You know what I mean? It's really, really cunning. I just want to read a little passage for you from the big book. And this is a section that I really like in the big book. Though there is no way of proving it, we believe, and this is from Alcoholics Anonymous, more about alcoholism, page 32, I'm reading from the <coughs> third edition. And this is a book. Look at the state of the book. This was a book that was given to me when I first came into Alcoholics Anonymous. <coughs> Though there is no way of proving it, we believe that in our early drinking careers, most of us could have stopped drinking. But the difficulty is that few alcoholics have enough desire to stop while there is yet time. We have heard of a few instances where people who showed definite signs of alcoholism were able to stop for a long period because of an overpowering desire to do so. Here is one. A man of 30 was doing a great deal of spree drinking. He was very nervous in the morning after these bouts and quieted himself with more liquor. How much of us have done that? I've done it. How much of us have done these things to start our day? I have. He was ambitious to succeed in business, but saw that he would go nowhere if he drank at all. Once he started, he had no control, whatever. I don't know, Bill, they probably wrote this about me. He made up his mind that until he had been successful in business and, and had retired, he would not touch another drop. An exceptional man. He remained bone dry for 25 years and retired at the lovely age of 55 after a successful and happy business career. Then he fell victim to a belief that practically every alcohol has, every alcoholic has, that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline had qualified him to drink as other men. That's a situation we have to understand as alcoholics. I understood it as alcohol. You see, I understood from when I came into the fellowship that there's a fine line between social drinking and compulsive drinking. A fine, fine line. It comes like a line in the middle of the road on the highway, three-lane highway, two-lane highway, whatever highway. And if you are not observing what is happening and you cross that line, something could happen. You could either bonk somebody or somebody bonks you or something could happen. And that's the problem with me, the alcoholic. I didn't know when I crossed that fine line between social drinking and compulsive drinking. 
On her, out came his carpet slippers and a bottle. In two months, he was in a hospital, puzzled and humiliated. He tried to regulate his drinking for a while. Making several trips to the hospital in the meantime. Then gathering all his forces, he attempted to stop altogether and found he could not. Every means of solving his problem, which money could buy, was at his disposal. Every attempt failed. Though a robust man, robust man at retirement, he went to pieces quickly and was dead within four years. Imagine that. This can case contains a powerful lesson. Most of us have believed that if we remain sober for a long stretch, we could thereafter drink normally. <laughs> I'm so grateful to Alcoholics Anonymous and my willingness to remain in this program for all this time that I've never stepped out and had that one drink. Because we can't drink normally anymore. But here is a man who at 55 years found he was just where he had left off at 30. We have seen the truth demonstrated again and again. And this is the point that I love in this book. Once an alcoholic, always an, an alcoholic. alcoholic. You can't give it for me. Commencing to drink after a period of sobriety where in a short time as bad as ever. If we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind, nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. We can never, ever, ever as alcoholics be immune to alcohol ever. I always use this to describe the chronic alcoholic and the alcoholic who just started to drink. The chronic alcoholic, I, I compare him to a sponge or a piece of cloth that you use in the kitchen. Some of you ladies might be more aware than us men. But when you have a sponge in the kitchen that wiping up all the, 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 the water and thing on the counter and so on, and that sponge gets old after a while. You have to pass the sponge and squeeze and pass again and squeeze, you know? You might squeeze two or three times. But the brand new sponge, the alcoholic who now start down that road of active alcoholism, start down that road to give problems, like a fresh new sponge. You just had to pass it once on the counter and everything is soaked up immediately. That's how the alcoholic like me when I talk, I talk about me. But that's how the alcoholic starts actively in alcohol. Because he's like a fresh new sponge and he could soak up that liquor. Boy, I drink them under the table. I can't say that. But I drink them fellas and them under the table. Boy, them leave me with the bottle, them going home. Not understanding the malady that he's going into. But the old sponge, the alcoholic who has been at it for some time, it don't take much to get you drunk. It don't take much to full up, full you up. 
And what about changing drinks? I love beers. And, and probably that's where I got my name, Yankee, in Trinidad from. I love beers. Used to love to drink beers. But I never drink any alcohol that beers. So if I go to a bar and I sit down drinking beers, and my friend Jim come in the bar and he's drinking whiskey, I will drink beers and whiskey. And if John come in the bar or Jane come in the bar and they're drinking rum, I drinking beers, whiskey, and rum. I drink it while everybody else drinking. But that only went on for a while. And I mean, <laughs> I'm sharing it because that's what happened. I still looking to go outside and smoke something. You know what I mean? Because I always say alcohol was my gateway drug to everything else. It always was. You know, I've survived in these times. I'm so grateful. I'm really, really grateful to the woman that I married. And I'm married 41 years now. I have problems. We have problems. There's a man and a woman living together. There'll always be problems. But I appreciate her for sticking with me during the active alcoholism days. And now when I'm not drinking, that's my support. But the greatest support after all of that is you guys. If it was not for Alcoholics Anonymous, I don't think I would be alive today. I was 64 years old just last month. So within that time, you can work out that I stopped drinking around the age of 30, 29, 30 years. It does not take, I have recognized that it does not take long for a true alcoholic to get drunk, to really, really become alcoholic. And you see the message of Alcoholics Anonymous is carried in funny ways, you know, funny, funny ways. I always tell this story in Trinidad. My uncle was an Alcoholics Anonymous. That was my, you could say first uncle, he was my mother's brother. He was an Alcoholics Anonymous for a long time. But he sponsored somebody. And that person became my sponsor. That is the person who invited me to enter Alcoholics Anonymous. You see how funny this thing is? And I never knew my uncle was an Alcoholics Anonymous until I came into Alcoholics Anonymous. Friends, I did a lot of things in my days of active alcoholism. Some of which I regret, some of which I can't help. Because I recall, you know, <clears throat> I'm really a madman. And, and I have to, this is why sometimes I just say I have to appreciate my wife. I probably never told this story in Trinidad, but I'll say it now. My wife and I were supposed to be married in June in 1980. Engaged and everything. And one morning in April, April 2 to be exact, I got up after having some drinks and whatever the night before. And I told my mother, I'm going to get married today. Now I'm talking about April. 
June, April, May, June, I three runs away, right? She said, what happened, Jesso? I said, it's either the priest married me or the what we call our red house, which is the place you go to married in public. She said, well, go and check the priest. So I went and I checked the priest. And he said, yeah, okay, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. All right, no problem. Meet me on so-and-so church at so-and-so time. I said, all right, let, let me go and tell you, woman, now. I had no discussion <laughs> with my wife at that time. That's not mad people think. That's not a madman. Well, fortunately, when I went and I tell her, I said, meet me at so-and-so church at so-and-so time. And if you're not there, we're not getting married again. But I don't know, my wife must be mad too, because when I went to the church, she sat down with her mother waiting on me. You know what I mean? And I say this to say, I had no money at the time. I had a job, but I wasn't getting paid properly. I still had to go and beg my boss to get some money to go on, a, on my, on my so-called honeymoon. I honeymoon in a car. And you know, what's the first thing that my wife, the people in that car was me, my wife, her sister, and her sister boyfriend. You know, it's the first thing we went and buy? Alcohol. We went and buy a bottle of rum and some little things to eat and so on and end up on a beach in Trinidad and spend the whole Easter weekend because I married on Holy Tuesday for those Catholics and so on in the, in the program. Sometimes I wonder why this woman stay with me. I don't know. But she stuck it out and we're here together. Love her for that. Alcoholics Anonymous saves lives. One of the things that I understand in Alcoholics Anonymous is that you cannot come here in this fellowship. I shouldn't say cannot come. What I should say is that you could be brought into Alcoholics Anonymous by either a nurse, your friend, your wife, your spouse, whatever. But being brought into Alcoholics Anonymous don't mean to say that you will be saved. You have to want to want this program. You cannot come into this program for your job. You cannot come into this program for your spouse. You cannot come into this program because somebody tell you so. And stay if you don't want it for yourself. You're going to want it for yourself. You're going to work this program. This is not a program that you can just sit down and things going to happen. You've got to want it. Because if you don't want it, you're going to fall out of it. I always say I am sorry for members of Alcoholics Anonymous who would have gone back out into active alcoholism, whether it's for a day, a year, two years, how much ever. But then I turn around and I use this one of the slogans that we have here. Here goes I, but for the grace of God. That person who goes back outside there and comes back into the fellowship, they are brave people. That person real brave. I don't think, I really don't think that I could do that. 
I really don't think I could fall off this program and start back to drink and come back here. In the first instance, I could be embarrassed. Second instance, I feel I go dead. I, I don't know. I do not think that I could come back in there. So the best thing for me is not to go back out. You understand? I got to think, think, think. And I use that phrase. I have heard of people in Alcoholics Anonymous who would have shared their strengths and their hopes. I've heard people who say that they fell off on the wayside because they thought about it and it happened. But I always say, don't just think about it, carry it to the end. Think, think, think. I put that in my own way. I'll give you an example of what I mean. If I am thinking about or dreaming, as they say, about going and take a drink, I don't just use that first part of the dream. I carry the dream to the end. And what I mean by that is this. Yankee boy, I can take a drink. And then I start to think, Yankee, you know if you go and take that drink, you ain't go drink one. You go drink two. You might drink three. And then somebody go come and see you drinking and they go buy a bottle and they will help them drink it out. And what will happen after? You will get drunk. You might drive, you might be driving, you might drive home, the police might hold you, you might bong somebody, you go reach home, your wife ain't gonna be too happy when you reach home because you're drunk. So I carry the story to the end. And when I reach the end of the story, I say, boy, you see you, better you don't take that drink. I don't just leave it in the middle, just hanging there. That's me, that's how I use it. Another thing I use on a daily basis is the serenity prayer. Very powerful prayer. And if we use it properly on a daily basis, we would know how to deal with it. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. I cannot change the fact that I'm an alcoholic. That's a fact. I'm an alcoholic, I can't change that. Courage to change the things I can. What I can change is being an active alcoholic into not drinking alcohol. And the wisdom to know the difference. I must know whether I could drink or I can't drink. I must know that this is the program for me. We cannot, as alcoholics, go and burn down the, the, the places that make an alcoholic or go and protest and whatnot or whatnot. Alcoholic is big business. They pay a lot of taxes. We can't burn them down. We can save ourselves and try our best to save the people around us. A lot of people hear about Alcoholics Anonymous, but they don't really know what happens inside of here. And that's why I'm saying some of these things. I even say to myself, and I've heard it said in some of the meetings that I go to, 
Alcoholics Anonymous is a selfish, selfless program. And that is meant in a particular way. They're selfish because you got to see about yourself. You got to see, uh, I have to see about Ricardo. I have to see about Yankee. I have to love myself. I have to understand that I got to see about me before I see about anybody else. When I wake up in the morning and I go to brush my teeth, the first person I see is me. You understand? I am the person that I am watching in the mirror. Michael Jackson sing that, the man in the mirror. I watch me. I always have a joke among my, my, my siblings and anybody else, because I have five other siblings. I always say, of all my siblings, I'm the best. To hell with the rest. It's just a joke among us, you know what I mean? But what I mean by that is that I got to see about me. I got to see about Yankee. Drinking alcohol was a passion at the time. When I now started, I thought I was doing great. You know, and if I knew then what I know now, I don't think I would ever I would have ever picked up that first game. But how much how many of us knew what we would have been getting into? Cunning, baffling, and powerful. That's why I always say when someone slips this program, it helps me. We all know you gotta give away to get. We come to these meetings not only for sharing. We share to give it away, but we also give it away to get it back. You know what I mean? Live and let live. You know, dear goes I, but for the grace. Those are some of the slogans that has helped me during my period of sobriety. And it does not matter, I have learned in this program, how long you are sober. It really doesn't. What matters is the fact that you are sober today. I always share for new people who might be in the rooms. This program is a one day program, one day at a time. But if you cannot do it in 24 hours, do it in 20, do it in 12, do it in one. Every hour, you can always ask the God of your understanding, whoever he might be to help you over the next hour, to help you today. When you get up in the morning, you pray to the God of your understanding and you ask him to keep you sober today. When you go to sleep at night, just before you've not off, you thank him. I heard, some, I, I, I heard someone say just recently and all and reminded me of what I had learned in the meeting. And I think that persists in this meeting from Trinidadia too. Because they have a couple, a couple of my Trinidad alcoholic friends are in the meeting, and I'm grateful to them for attending this afternoon. We try to help our, our one another and support one another whenever we talk in meetings in any part of the world. You know, some people, the pandemic is such a vicious thing. Oh God, why? Did, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I would not have been here today. So you see, there might be some. It's bad, but there are good things coming out of it. Zoom meetings, such a nice thing. We can still meet 
as alcoholics and help one another. So I heard this guy say once, he say, boy, you get down on your knees and pray to the God of your understanding. But one of the things that he learned, and I, I, I got that into my mind and I stick with it, is that if you feel a little shape to get on your knees, throw a slipper under the bed. Throw a slipper under the bed and God look for it. You go be on your knee. <laughs> you know what I mean? And why they don't they pray one time? <laughs> you know what I mean? These are some of the things that we have learned. This Zoom meetings has opened up for us alcoholics an avenue to travel. I don't want to get a passport. I don't want to get no visa to travel. <laughs> you know what I mean? We can go any part of the world and listen to people and we all share one common bond. We are alcoholics and we dabbled in this mind altering substance called alcohol. You know what I mean? I love Alcoholics Anonymous, but I always repeat over and over and over, you've got to want it. Even if you are in this room for a period of time, you got to want it. You can't want it for your wife. You can't want it for this one. You can't want it. For, you have to want it for yourself. That is where the selflessness in it, the program comes about. I recall an incident that happened when I now joined Alcoholics Anonymous. I was probably in the fellowship about three weeks. And this is a part that I'm coming to with, with regards to trust. I was in the fellowship for about two or three weeks. And where I was living in Trinidad is about a mile and a half away from the main road where I have to take a taxi and then got to travel again. And I remember taking our vehicle and going to a meeting. It was a meeting at work, a union meeting, I believe it was. And my wife left home. Now remember I tell you it's a mile and a half, you got to walk before you mean main transport. And she did that. And she came to the meeting to see where I was. And that's because trust had gone out the door. She wasn't too sure that I was going to a meeting. I might have been going somewhere to lime or to drink or whatever. And I remember going home. I, I was vexed with her, I was, I was annoyed. And we were driving, going home. And I recall her pulling the steering wheel in that Land Rover vehicle. She was so mad to crash the vehicle. And I remember stopping in the middle of the road. And I tell her, I say, if you feel that I have joined this program for you, you have another thought coming. I joined this program to get sober. I joined this program to achieve some form of sobriety. I get join this program because I'm fed up of the way I was feeling. And she understood that. But you see, I say this now to come to the point about trust. You see, we, I, I always try to preface what I say with the fact that we, I, I'm speaking about me, but it might fall in somebody's garden, as we say in Trinidad. I felt that once I stop drinking today, that you're supposed to trust me again all the time that I wasn't drinking. 
But we have to remember over the years of drinking, I would have lost trust. My wife would have lost trust in me because I would have done things that I should not have. You know what I mean? And we expect that when we come into this fellowship, that everybody's supposed to love us again, trust us again. You know what I mean? It don't work that way. It takes a little while to regain that trust. You gotta work again. Always say it. you gotta work it. You gotta work it to regain that trust. You gotta work hard at it. You know what I mean? So life has been nice for me because of alcoholics abuse. It is no bed of roses. We still have our problems. Whether family problems, whether work problems, I'm so glad to be a retired person in this time, in this pandemic, and I don't have to go and face people outside there. Because for those who might not know, we are still in lockdown in Trinidad. Curfews from nine o'clock in the night till five o'clock in the morning, right? So all, we definitely don't have any physical meetings in Trinidad. I think one opened up a couple of weeks ago. That's during the afternoon time. You know, and there's lockdown in Trinidad. So people are not moving about as they should. All, and this is one of the greatest things out there. All the bars in Trinidad and Tobago or where places except groceries and so on that sell alcohol are closed by law. But you know, alcohol selling. And I am firmly of the belief that more alcohol is being drunk now than before. They just go and they buy and they go with it. You go in the grocery, you buy a rum or whatever it is and they go with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Alcohol still drinking. Lockdown or no lockdown, alcohol will sell. I know I ain't drinking. That's the important part. I have so much stories that I could tell about me. Some I remember, some I'm, I am reminded of. But I was on the point of trust. Family, my family, I indicated to you all before I have five siblings. I'm an orphan, as I always say, my mom and my father had passed. I'm grateful that my mom saw me sober, non-drinking. And I'm grateful for them too because I regained that trust so much so that whenever family functions are being planned, they ask me first if I'm available. And years before, they used to ask me, um, you can make it Saturday and then they plan the function for Friday. You know what I mean? Just to make sure that I ain't it. That's how it is. You know what I mean? Now they ask me if I'm available to make sure. If I'm not available, well, they plan it for our next day. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's how it was. I'm grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous and will always be grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous for saving my life. And by extension, a family's life, immediate family's life. And that's the, that's the thing that we have to understand in Alcoholics Anonymous. For those of you who, who might be new or relatively new in this fellowship, when this fellowship, when you work this fellowship and you stop drinking and you save your life, you don't only save your life, you save your family's life. 
immediate and otherwise. You save even your friend's life. Because plenty of us, our friends didn't want us around us after a while, around them after a while. We were shunned. You know, they, I, I just said they would plan functions when they know you're not available. You understand? So this life in Alcoholics Anonymous is something that I could not have imagined before coming into this fellowship. I always thought I would have drink and drug until I die. But it didn't happen. But I keep emphasizing on this point. If you want what it have here, you got to want it. I, I really try my best to emphasize on that point whenever I speak. Because you've got to want it. If you don't want it, it will pass you by. I've heard it. We here in Alcoholics Anonymous have heard it in, in different ways from people who would have gone back outside there. Because one of the things that I learned inside of here too, you know, when you go back out, you don't, you don't start at the first drink again. It ain't like cricket, you know. Well, you all know I'm from the, the home of Grand Lara, as I call it. But it's not like cricket. You know what I mean? It starts back the same place where you leave. It's only, it's only cricket that it start back at zero, you know. With alcohol, you just start back at 100. You left the wicket at 100, and the next day you go back, you're starting back right at 100. It might take you a few balls or drinks, as they say, to have that 100 going. But you're starting back right there. And that's a definite. So friends, I want to keep remaining in Alcoholics Anonymous. I thank God for Zoom. I will always thank God for Zoom that I can travel without a passport or a visa and I can go to any country I want to go to whenever I want to go to because, I mean, even though we knew and we all know that alcohol, there's Alcoholics Anonymous meetings in nearly every part of the world, we now realize through Zoom how much there really is. There are millions and millions of us, millions and millions of us who have suffered through this disease of alcoholism. And I'm grateful for being invited for this meeting this afternoon. And I just want to repeat that I'm 26 days, nine months, and 34 years in sobriety. Thank you.